0: On this episode of the Beer Flight Podcast, Craig and I discuss attending sporting events in the UK and throughout Europe. We'll offer advice on getting tickets, what to expect at the sporting events, as well as what to drink.
1: This is your captain. Welcome you aboard our flight today.
0: The crew will start beverage service shortly. Our guest is Michael Poffenberger, an avid traveler who has spent the past few decades attending Le Mans soccer matches in the UK and throughout Europe, as well as other sporting events. What well, can you tell us about um, your tips for attending, say, like a soccer match or, or something else in,
2: in the UK or Europe? Yeah, maybe it's like a little background. So, um, really fortunate. Uh, my wife and son—they are uh, co-conspirators, or what's what's a. Uh, three tri-conspirators, co-conspirators, we'll say, um, in in all of this kind of traveling and and, uh, activities we do. And so we spend pretty close to about two months a year, uh, primarily in Europe, with most of it in the UK. Uh, And then, you know, a week or two in France and Germany. And so all of of our travels really center around attending sporting matches. So uh, either soccer events or some kind of motorsport event. Um, but I think, you know, the, the, the big thing and the thing that we really enjoy is uh, just kind of the communal experience of going to these events um, and then how you kind of plan your day around it. Right. And it's, it's not, you know, one of those things where it's necessarily easy to kind of figure out how do I get tickets to place? You know, I've got to plan the transportation. Uh, you know, where are the bars or, or, or pubs I can go to before these, these events? Um, in some cases, if you're traveling, you got to find accommodations or whatever. So, um, we actually enjoy kind of like trying to figure those things out, but, uh, uh, you know, the, the wonderful thing I have going for me is my son and my wife love doing these things too. So,
1: well, what, what, um, I guess, got your family into wanting to do these things. Was it, was it an experience that you or your wife had? Was it, what is it, a study abroad or, or what was it? Can you point to a specific thing? The first,
2: the first time my wife and I went over to Europe uh, were, I guess together was 2003. And so we were, we were here in the States we were getting into, uh, motorsports. So we had like a race car with a race, you know, a roll, a roll bar, uh, you know, removal steering wheel. We'd drive around the Southeast and to these driving events and, and races. Did you,
1: did you drive the car on the road or
2: is it, it was a, like a trailer? Uh, you know, so we started, right. So it was a progression. You had to start with one car and then you move to the next and then you get the even better car. So when we started, it would be, you know, you drive what you brought and then it was like so oh, Street no. it
1: was street legal that i mean you drove the car initially down. but yeah
2: where we ended up was not street legal yet. yeah I mean, you, yeah so, yeah um but anyway so we were doing a lot of that uh traveling around the southeast and we had some friends who were involved in uh imsa here in the u.s and i'm uh, sorry what is that it, it was basically the sanctioning body for sports car racing in the u.s in probably the 70s 80s 90s um so if you're like Sebring, one of the turns is named after this guy, Jim Bishop, uh, Jim Peggy Bishop. They ran this sanctioning organization. Um, and then my wife's family was actually into racing as well. Um, but so we would go to Road Atlanta probably more than anything else. Road Atlanta was owned by, uh, Dr. Panos, the inventor of the transdermal patch. Um, but he had, he had this, he has a race team, um, Painos, paino's racing. In addition to racing here domestically, he also raced at Le Mans. So at some point, we hooked up with the race team. And so in 2003, they basically put us on uh, the list for the race team, uh, concurrent uh, participants. So uh, we, we showed up there. We had... we thought we knew French. We did not know French. Um, but we showed up there and it was just kind of, you know, the experience of, you know, how do you find your way from Paris to Le Mans? And, you know, if somebody understands your French access in Paris, they're probably not going to understand in Le Mans. Um, and we slept in like a, a Peugeot, was, it Peugeot 103? Yeah. It was a Peugeot 103. It was tiny little car. We actually slept in the car cause we were idiots. And um, okay.
1: Can I, cause I need a little bit more back. Cause I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, my, my international sports golf and so I follow that all around the world and I kind of follow football f- or soccer from a very very distant I mean if it's on TV and there's nothing else on, know, I'll watch a little bit but as far as racing no idea so what, tell me a little bit about Le Mans and wh- where is it in the country even I don't even know
2: so uh, on the, the TGV the high speed train it is it's like 59 minutes exactly from Centre Paris to Centre Le Mans how, which direction? Uh, west. Okay. West. Um, and they call it the, so it's basically you have about 300,000 people who show up every year. It's probably the most famous race in the world. Um, uh, and they call it the biggest British race uh, in the world as well, because all and these Brits come over. Really? And you'll you'll see these cars that these guys drive over. I guess over it's, it's right. right on the coast or whatever right? Well, they'll think. take the ferry yeah. over and then, you know, you'll see like these guys hop out of these actual Ford GTs. GT40s, um, and they'll pitch a tent with their with their mates, and they'll just they'll like just camp, hmm. um, and, and they'll say it's like the best week of the year for them. These, these people who have. Meetings. I had a
0: similar weekend in uh, Indianapolis for the Indy 500 ones. Yeah. That is pure unadulterated America. If you've ever seen it, I can imagine. Le Mans is insane.
2: Yeah. So anyway, it's a 24 hour race. They have activities that lead uh, up. So like we generally try to get on like a Wednesday and they'll have like some qualifying and practice Wednesday night. Uh, Same thing on Thursday, Friday, nothing goes on at the track. They take all of the drivers and these take all the cars. They don't do that anymore, but they take all the drivers and they have a parade around the middle of. Downtown, which is super cool. I mean, it's just absolutely packed, and people drink way too much. Um, but it's it's just you know good fun. And they throw they throw stuff from the cars. Sounds and, like Mardi Gras. And you know cars <laughs> yeah. revving and things like that. Um, and we actually probably about f- five years ago, we we ran into these these British guys um, who come over. But they are basically called the Tweet Army. So if you go like on Twitter, there's the Tweet Army. But we meet up with them in the same place. Uh, every Friday before the race, and we all drink too much and they wear tweed. I wore tweed once, but my son usually wears tweed, but um, so it's kind of like a thing for them they this yeah. is this is kind of like their big getaway as as uh, lifelong friends or whatever so and then Saturday, the race starts. you got twenty four hours, goes through the night. night's incredible um, so so tell what's it like to
0: have a twenty four hour race when you're like a spectator? is it is it you're just tailgating the whole time because you're probably not in your seat. But do they have? Do you, are you able to leave the the track and come back?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we, we run a we run a house from basically the same family every year. Um, and so the first year we we went when it was just Laura, my wife, and, and myself, we we stayed at the track because you know where we were going to go back and sleep in this one oh Peugeot one hundred three. It was it was worse than sleeping on concrete. So um, we actually. My, right. my first Georgia, Florida
0: game was basically
2: sleeping in the tailgate of a car
0: like that. So That's, I, that's you pretty nice, be, nice for a like, Georgia, Yeah, I know, Florida but you AM. need to, like, you, you have to, like, step it up every year. So once you're an adult, you can actually get proper things, like a, a, a house. A bed. A bed. Whoa. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so we've all been there. Yeah. Um, but, but so nowadays, so my son has always wanted to stay up. In fact, when we took him the first time, we took him when he was, like, six. We're like, we'll just, we'll stay in Paris and we'll take the train out. And then we'll probably just do it the one time because he's not going to like it. I mean, he was just absolutely floored by it. He was like mesmerized. Kids, That's all we could talk about. Kids
0: at that age, it's, it's hard to have an attention span that takes them to the second inning of a baseball game. yeah, Much less like a 24-hour yeah. you know, race. Yeah. So, so
1: the race, it's – so I'm trying to get a little bit more background so I just have an understanding of what's going on. <laughs> so it's a 24-hour race. But is it, is it is it timed at twenty four hours? How, however, did the most laps in twenty four hours, or just it takes about twenty four hours to complete the distance? Or
2: uh, well, so so um, I'm assuming it's a road trip. Without being disrespectful, I'll say first thing you need to know: it's 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 run by the French, um, and so the rules sometimes are a little bit flexible. But generally speaking, it's it's whoever finishes the. Uh, the most laps were the 24 hours and I think it's the when you cross the finish line after you the clock has hit that 24th hour so it can be like 24 hours in 3 minutes
1: and it's, and it's one driver the whole
2: time or no, is it a it's, team it's, it's a team okay. so you'll have like 3 teams and then you have 4 I would three. like to see one driver I think that'd be more it's crazy well, I think <laughs> that'd be more <that'd> <laughs> interesting But yeah so then you have like four different classes you have these prototypes which are these things that look like purpose-built race cars Um, and there's basically two versions of that class and then you have these other ones that look like street cars so it's porsches and ferraris and uh ford gts and i guess bmws or whatever and so they they have you know like a pro version of that and they kind of have like a pro-am version of that but some of those are actually run by uh you know, the factories. Right. So Porsche has a team works factory that that shows up and, and does this. And so generally it's, it's three drivers per car that they have.
1: Hmm. Interesting. So you've had all these these great experiences of going um, for somebody who say say it's with etiquette you know, a couple going over. Let's uh, let's have a good time. But we, you know, we don't want to break the bank. We obviously don't want to do one of the packages. Figure out our, on our own. So, how, what would you suggest that they that they do as a first experience to to go see it?
2: So, uh, whenever whenever you go to like a big event um, or even or even a soccer match, right? You know, what I found is the best thing to do is go to that go to that website. The organization that runs it. Generally, they will have basically like a membership. And for like thirty-five dollars, you can get access, priority access to tickets. So you can buy them earlier. You can buy them places other people can't. Um, with you know the the soccer matches, uh, as a member, you get first access to kind of these ticket exchanges. So when other other members want to sell them, you basically end up buying them at. Face value versus if you're buying on the uh, open market from a third party, you're going to pay like two mm-hmm. or three times that. So that's that's like the that's like the biggest tip or trick.
0: Does that same membership apply if you're going to try to see like a top tier club in say the Premier League, Bundesliga, or something? Or is that more like a middle tier, lower tier,
2: second division type situation? Generally, it kind of. So it, generally, at the top clubs, will definitely have it, right? So um, I'm primarily. There's two clubs in England I support uh, in the Premier League, Arsenal, Um, and then the uh, uh, English Championship, which is at the level down below it, it's Fulham. Um, And so we're members of both of those. What happens when Fulham gets promoted and they play each other? uh, Who are we Fulham for? So last year, that was a little bit of a problem up until it became clear that Fulham were not not going to stay up. But, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a discussion. There might be some family conflict over okay. this particular topic. Well, it probably depends on
0: where each team is in the season. If if it means that Arsenal needs to win to get into the top four or Fulham needs to not be relegated, maybe that's a consideration.
2: Absolutely. Well, and so, listen, this is completely a luxury that somebody who is an American can have, because if you were actually, uh, you know, living in the UK and you told somebody you had two teams, it they, they would not go over well. Uh,
0: <laughs> It was always explained to me that you have your primary team that you pull for, and then you have players on other teams that you like. And so you can kind of pull for those players like I will absolutely always pull for Miguel Almiron and I will watch the Newcastle matches and pull for him because I want him to be successful. I am not a Chelsea supporter by any stretch of the imagination, but with Christian Pulisic, I'm like, I want him to be awesome because that's America right there. That's our biggest representation.
2: Um, Otherwise it's going to be Liverpool for me. So, yeah, you know, I think that's, I think that's right. I think uh, we definitely have more latitude than we were if we actually lived there and grew up there. Yeah. Uh, It's a little different when you also like adopt a team, you know,
0: growing up in Atlanta, you pull for the Atlanta teams. Absolutely. But, you know, in the case of if if you're going to pull for a a soccer team abroad, you kind of have to adopt a team and figure out what your criteria is on how you adopt it. Uh, Sometimes it's an experience of traveling and, you know, you go to to Dortmund and next thing you know, you come back and you're a hardcore Dortmund supporter. So. You know, I find that's the case a lot for people who travel and get those experiences.
2: Yeah. Well, um, and so I'll, I'll just give you an example. And so I actually probably should use an alias uh, for this because I'm about ready to admit this. But um, Boxing Day, Boxing Day tickets, the day after Christmas, they're super hard to find. And so normally on Boxing Day, we'd either go to an Arsenal match or a Fulham match. This year, that wasn't an option. So like there was like no, no, uh, very few options in terms of football in London, where we were saying. And so we took the... Uh, very awkward decision to become members of Tottenham, which is like the worst thing you could. That's you know the the worst thing because uh, we want to want to watch. There's football. only one
0: team in North London. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's
2: exactly right. Uh, and you know we'd never been there, and you know we can always pull the American card. We didn't know, but um, yeah. So we we joined the membership there, and we wouldn't have gotten tickets for it otherwise. and So we got those tickets basically at face value from the ticket exchange. It was it was great.
1: So, beyond just uh, getting tickets, any other uh, tips you would have for for somebody going over, like lodging? I mean, is it better to stay right in the middle of town or close to the stadium, wherever you're going, or... Or, um, uh, I guess see, man, I'm sure we're going to get to the pub scene, you know, as far as yeah. what, what, what you should be doing or should not be doing as far as before a game. So,
2: so it's, it's so much easier now than when we first started doing this. Cause you have, you know, you have the internet, you have, uh, yeah, I can't imagine. To go <laughs> and then stand in line. I remember going like, we've got a phone. We don't know if it'll work when we land, you know, it's, it's kind of uh, like crazy. Um, but you know, the big thing is, uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna be just doing one thing uh, well so I'll give an example so in London we generally stay kind of in the Holborn area which is fairly central it's by you know kind of this office that uh, uh, Billy and I used to to, to work uh, from occasionally kind of just east of the super touristy area so we don't have to deal with you know the masses of tourists when things get really crowded Um, and then Um, it clears out on the weekends because it's kind of the financial business
0: area so so it'll probably get
1: cheap hotels
0: right if it's over over, the weekends yeah yeah, 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 absolutely yeah um but there keep in mind all the pubs and restaurants also might be closed Mm -hmm. on the weekend
2: yeah interesting Uh, just uh, walk over to soho and have a a fun Uh, time uh, but i mean it's super centrally located so you can get you can get to North London, you get to South of the River, you can get to, to East London, West London, basically the same amount of time. It's like 20, 20 25 minutes. And you can even get up to uh, Wofford, which is kind of, you know, a exurb of London in 40 minutes on the train.
1: Yeah. So, I and as you were you're always doing public transit. You're not renting a car or anything. Absolutely that not. That would yeah. be
2: suicide in London. Yeah. There's, there would be no reason to have a car in London. I
0: Well, I, I rented a car and did a little road trip to South. England and that was when I went to like the Southampton match and um was kind of being an imposter fan so I could go see Southampton versus Swansea and so that was fun. But that was like the one time it's like let's go on these, you know, backcountry roads in the south of England, mm-hmm. which is
2: really cool. And I think, I think that's fine, right? Yeah. What you don't want to do is you don't want to use a car really in any European city inside the city as your transportation. Yeah, absolutely. Not. I mean, if if you have a car and you came into that city with it park the car, use the yeah. public transportation. Mm-hmm. And when you're ready to leave, take the car back. I do remember last time I was in, well, uh, or two times ago
1: in Europe, I was driving from um, Germany over to Paris and uh, I drove through Paris and it was like literally like, the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> I, and the funny thing is, is I don't know how it is in London, but in Paris, nobody honks, even though everybody's cutting everybody off. It's really weird. And uh, but yeah, it it can be scary, especially if you're tourists tourist and you don't know where you're going. And then London, obviously you're driving on the opposite side of the car and road.
2: Yeah. So it's it's scarier than it actually is. But yeah, Paris is Paris is a nightmare. I mean, I just think like the few times that we've like returned a rental car yeah. and basically generally returned like to underground parking garages and like mm-hmm. navigating those parking garages. Those are tight. They're tight. Yeah. yeah.
0: So some other tips that I would give um, is, you know, it varies by league and country, like how you get tickets. Like if you're if you're in Italy, I would recommend Having well a lot of times you go and pick up tickets from the bank that will sell the the local club's tickets, and you need to have your passport there and then in the stadium they're only going to let you be in a non supporter section because they don't want you mixing with either one and in germany in um, in Spain, you know I was able to rock up. Uh, a, you know, an, an hour or two before the match and stand in line and get tickets. And, you know, I've been to Barcelona a few several times or seen, seen Bar- Barca play uh, several times. I imagine you have too. But those were always, we have to get someone to get, or I had to get someone to get me tickets that were, you know, somewhat decent. Otherwise, we're sitting up in the nosebleeds or paying a ton of money. So there's, there's always those things, you know, doing doing your research and how to get tickets is is definitely... Clutch. Um, I kind of did one of those memberships to go see that Southampton uh, Swansea match, but when I saw Arsenal play at Emirates against Man City, and um, when Liverpool was was at uh, Wembley Stadium versus uh, Tottenham, we you know knew a guy who knew a guy who helped get his tickets, and you know just kind of pretended that we were pulling for. No one, <laughs> even though, you know, as a Liverpool supporter, I was like, I'm definitely as far pulling as up.
1: doing things like that and doing your research. I mean, what, what do we say to because it looks like we're not talking to anybody right now, but it, somebody might actually listen to this podcast. And there's people to that are. Right, I mean, what do you say to the guys? They're like, well, just I hit the easy button and I just do one of the packages. and It may cost a little bit more. I mean, beyond just the cost of it. I mean, there's a kind of a fun element to, to dinner on your own, I would think as far as doing a little bit of the research and, and figuring it all out. It's not as intimidating, I think, as a lot, what a lot of people think.
0: No, I absolutely agree. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the travel packages in general, because I, I'm, I very much will improvise a trip and, you know, see if I can go to a match. I, I, I can tell you, you know, one British friend that I do have, who's from Manchester, and a, is a big uh, United supporter. He always said, oh, I, I never bought tickets in advance. I only walked up and got, he had a term for it it and I don't remember, but it was basically like a scalper on on the street and he just would go that way to all his uh, Man U matches. um, uh, Which I think is, I I wouldn't say dangerous, but you're really kind of chancing it. Um, And and if you can go a few hours early to a box office and and get tickets, you can do that. Uh, I mean, I I walked up in when I was in Pilsen, uh, Czech Republic or Czechia, they changed their name a week later. It was raining. They were playing a decent team and no one showed up and we paid, I think, five euro and we sat at midfield in like the third row and no one was no one was there. This is a team that Petr Cech had played for um, early in his career, which I think is fun. But yeah, it depends on where you are. I, I just wouldn't, I, I'm not a big fan of the travel packages.
1: Well, and it's, i think it goes beyond the tickets because they're going to include, you know, hotel, which maybe whatever. But then they throw in like dinners and yeah, stuff, and it's like or ride. Is that really where you even want to go eat?
0: Like, yeah. you know. So I would, I would, I, but I'm, like, you know, kind of a foodie, obviously. So I would always. Well, I and like steer you, away you from might just get away from the authentic experience of you know hitting up a pub before the match. They're most likely going
1: to take you to a place that's ultra familiar to what an American would yeah, want exactly. to go to. They already think they should. But they're comfortable with.
2: Or where they're getting a big kickback? Actually, I mean that's, yeah, that's, that's kind like of how that works, right? Sure. I mean, yeah.
0: Well, let's um, let's talk about the beer that we're drinking. So um, let's start. Let's start with what you got, Billy. Let's yeah. start with this green can. Let's go. Let's go light first. Well, I I mentioned that I'm a Liverpool supporter, and they are the champions uh, currently of the English uh, of of England. They are the champions of England. Uh, so I brought a Danish beer. It is a Del- Danish pilsner. It is called Carlsberg. And the marketers would like to tell you that it is probably the best beer in the world. Is this, is this a sponsor of the team or something? Or they, they were a kit sponsor to... for a long time. Okay. And they, I, they still I missed the connection. Okay. Yeah, uh, Carlsberg does have a very tight connection with Liverpool okay. and we're a long time sponsor. I'm pretty sure they still sponsor them. They just don't have the kit sponsorship, which is like the, the big, mm. you know, sponsor um while i'm pouring this craig yes i'm gonna throw this to you could you tell us a little bit about this beer i I can tell you a
1: little bit of background about carlsberg so um obviously uh the reinheidske boat is um it's a barley malt uh yeast and water sorry i've already had a beer i had to think about that one but uh, the cool thing about Carlsberg is that's where they actually uh, isolated the lager yeast. So there's two names for uh, lager yeast. It can either be called Saccharomyces uh, pastorianus, or it can be called uh, another name for it, which I don't think is the scientific name that they use anymore, is um, Saccharomyces var. Carlsberg genius. And it's because that's where uh, Louis Pasteur was, that's, where he isolated the yeast, so kind of interesting backstory to carlsberg as far as their place in history of beer so what do you think of the beer itself because oh, it's
0: probably the best beer it's in the world what,
1: what yeah, do you I like think that. of it you know it is, there's a difference between scientific beer stuff and then advertising beer so on the can it says it's probably the best beer in the world which is, that's a i i think that's kind of funny uh, you know
0: what many uh many experts agree that it is a pilsner well first thing out of
1: the gate it's got and if you're if you're a nerdy beer guy like me listen to this it's got a a, a good amount of DMS um so that's dimethyl sulfide or it can be described as like cooked corn um so definitely get some of that and that's that's mostly from um a boil off issue um but if, it was, if it's always been the beer, a lot of these old breweries actually try to keep that off flavor in there because if they eliminated it, it would have completely changed the profile of the beer. Big uh, uh, thing to look to is um, Rolling Rock. Rolling Rock actually had that in it for a long time until AB bought it and tried to get rid of it. And the brand went down for that and several other reasons. Um, but I haven't even tasted it yet. I can tell you when I smell it. I definitely get a good amount of that. As far as the flavor profile, I'm getting it again. in The flavor, definitely getting some cooked corn in there, um, but it's clean. You know, not, nothing major as far as any fermentation issues or anything. I mean, this, not
0: this, not hoppy at all. It this just, is a beer a very that low hops. You know, you go to brew house to to watch a soccer match, and they're of course going to have Carlsberg, and you get that. I personally, I, I'll go to um, brew house now, and I'm going to call them out specifically uh they're a fun place to go to but they have a uh, australia dam which not one of our sample beers here today but as the beer of record in salona is certainly the beer that you're going to probably be drinking before and after a barca match and well after a barca match they tend to play late so you might be going to bed but uh definitely the beer that you're going to be going with um what do you think of carlsberg michael
2: You know, so, uh, I actually, I actually drink quite a bit of Carlsberg. Um, it's, uh, you know, there's cases sitting on the floor at home, um, as we're, as we're quarantined, uh, and, and I, you know, I wouldn't say that I love it by any stretch of the imagination. It's just, it's an easy beer to drink. Um, and then in in particular, as we're quarantined here, you know, Carlsberg is, is like the beer that you would probably find at the most, uh, soccer venues in the UK. So, it's easy to drink. It's kind of consistent. It's, uh... I'll tell you,
1: from a beer guy, I wouldn't drink another one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's... Very heavy on that DMS off flavor. So, but again, you if you that don't that, know what it is, and if you're not trained on sensory wise, I can see uh, my, probably. Do you think that there might days. be a difference
0: between what we're able to drink here in America with the DMS? Or, uh, no, or that's, that's not marbles? really a
1: flavor that comes from like aging or anything. That's a brew house process kind of thing. Now, if it were an aging thing, uh, like you can definitely get in some of the German stuff that's coming over, just because it takes a long. My guess is they ship this over pretty fresh, but they they do a lot of it here, pretty good amount of volume. I don't see a date code on it or anything that I would recognize. And there's a coding, but not not very explicit. But uh, with some of the German stuff tends to come over, and um, that gets like oxidized grape, just because it doesn't move very fast. It's kind of they're kind of the lesser uh, volume moving brands, I guess, in the market. So, but this flavor, this is more like brass issue. You, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'd get this over there too.
0: Shall we move on to the next beer?
1: Yeah. This brown trip. Yeah. Okay. So this is a uh, Roush beer, um, smoked lager, just very, um, I guess, traditional style, something that you get in, um, uh, um uh, bamberg so just north of munich this is basically the style that every single brewery uh, would have over there so five and a half percent nothing big but just some really awesome flavor Um so y'all tell me what you think of this um, i mean first off the, the smell is great yeah it just the aroma and, is awesome and, and these beers you know sometimes in the market they, you can get a smoked beer and it's so overly smoky. It's almost like cigar ashtray or like, you know, people want to, people are brewing stuff. They're like, it tastes like you're drinking bacon. I'm like, is that a good thing or is that just interesting? I, I want to make sure it's there, but I want to make sure it also plays with the malt and doesn't doesn't overpower just all of your senses at the this, same time. This is,
0: this is the... um summertime barbecue like taste like it's it's clean it's refreshing
1: even though it has some smokiness to it um i mean i bottled this
2: on a homebrew setup
1: about four or five months ago and it's still tasting really good it's
2: not well i mean so you know so if they had other beers that are like smoked it is like overwhelming yeah you know like artificial or whatever and i don't i don't think that this is it
1: Mm -mm. Uh, this is just uh, the smoke malt that I get from uh, actually the, the malt house is in Bamberg. It's called Vime and Malting. Really good family. They're actually good family friends of uh, my old boss in Fort Worth, Fritz um, And good good people, beautiful facility that this malt came from. I, I pretty much exclusively use it when I'm making a smoke beer because I do it right. It would've be fun to smoke my own malt though. I, never, I have not done that. What so. what goes into
0: smoking your own malt?
1: Um well, first you got to have a smoker. Unfortunately, we, we don't eat a lot of meat at home. Um, well, I, I, could be I, arranged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we, we just don't eat a lot of meat at home for whatever reason. So I don't have a smoker at the house. Um, but it'd be fun to team up with, with some of these Atlanta barbecue places. Obviously I'm a Texas guy and a lot of these, a lot of these guys that actually are starting up barbecue places here, the Fox brother guys, the Doss barbecue guys, they're both Texans. So it'd be fun to, to do a project
0: with them, throw some malts on their smoker and see what happens. So, if Fox Brothers is listening, <laughs> you can also send up smoke signals. They're two blocks away, so yeah. it'll be fine. Do we want to move on to the uh, final oh. beer that we've already uh, consumed?
2: Oh, uh oh. That's <laughs> alright. <laughs> That's okay. We can we can pretend. So. What Billy won't tell you is that I brought Carlsberg as well, just cause the, the topic was kinda like English football. Um, but when he told me that, I, I kinda punted, and I went to, uh, I brought a beer moretti that I had sticking around in the fridge. And so, um, again, pretty easy drinking beer, pretty smooth. In terms of like Italian beers, um, at least with the, the larger brands, I kinda like gravitate towards that before I, I do anything else. The reason I brought that with the topic of being kinda like English football is uh, Fulham, one of the clubs that I support. Uh, you know, through our match day, we, 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 we plan right. So we go to a pub before we go to the stadium. We hang out at the stadium. We go to a pub after, um, maybe dinner after that, or maybe we just get home and go to sleep because it's kind of like a big day. But um, so the pub we go for pre-match basically has beer Meridian. It's kind of like the best choice uh, from kind of the, the the common beer brands. So and they get the temperature right and it just seems to to work in kind of like that, that environment so
0: there, there are so many beers that like are just perfect for that pre-match drink and you know guinness always comes to mind really quick especially if you're in a pub and someone's just going to go order a beer and they have a couple beers on tap and one of them of course is going to be guinness um you know just super drinkable delicious carlsberg is one of them um I'll never yeah. turn on again. So I, I think it's, it's I mean I think it's know. the best like mass-produced beer. Well, it's you know. and,
1: and people what people don't realize about it is it's not that strong. You know, people get so turned on. I tell people, <laughs> yeah, I go go have a Guinness or whatever. Cause that's a lot of times if you're at a if you're at a bar and it's not, you know, a craft beer bar, so they'll usually still have Guinness. And, uh, you know, it's light It's and people don't realize how light it is. It's just a little the, bit of dark malt that gives it. The color is definitely
0: that. deceiving. Well, and, and that's then what nitrogenation, that that's what gives it yeah. the
1: body, but it's not, it's not from. It's a lighter, lower you know.
0: calorie beer compared to a lot and it's super delicious and flavorful and drinkable. And that's why you can get, you know, by the pintfuls and, mm-hmm. and you know, people keep getting different rounds.
2: Well, and I think that's kind of like an interesting, interesting thing, too, is. People talk about, you know, like a song will will remind them of like a specific event or something kind of like cool that they've done. And so they kind of, you know, get this experience when they hear this song or think back to the certain time. You know, I would I would say to a large extent, I do the same thing with with, you know, beer. It's like uh, I associate beer with events and and doing good things and specific types of beer, too.
0: Yeah. And and sometimes it's you might sacrifice and drink like a not great beer because it's part of the experience of going to a place. If Carlsberg is not a beer that you drink regularly, but you're like, Hey, you know what? Soccer's on. I'm going to drink this. This time I'm going to drink Heineken. You know, it's it's something like that.
1: Um, Well, I think we, so we're scratching the surface with, uh, with, beer drinking and what beers we drink when we are over there. So, uh, and I think we're getting a little bit away from the race now and gravitating more toward the soccer, or football, I already wanted to talk about. So as far as, you know, our our American culture, when we do football, you know, our, our version of football is the, mostly the tailgate scene. Um, but for there, it's, it's, it's probably more of the pub scene, really. I mean, people aren't driving to the games, usually taking trains to the games i probably go to downtown first, go to the pub, and then go out is what I'm guessing. But So what? what's that kind of, I guess, pre-game, you know, call it the five hours leading up to the game. What
2: what is that usually look like? Yeah, so... Um, and I guess yeah, tips for if people were yeah, to yeah. go do it. So, I mean, I, so maybe I'll just kind of like walk you through like the two different clubs, right? So, because Arsenal and Fulham, as I think as Billy mentioned, I mean, they're they're two different experiences and and they're enjoyable for two different... Reasons, right? Arsenal is a big club. It's a you know almost a sixty thousand seat stadium. They've got this incredible you know club level um, with you know fairly nice bars. They'll let you in uh, almost two hours early, and they'll they'll let you out. They'll let you stay after the match like two hours, so you don't have to rush to the tube or things like that. So, um, the Atlanta United should let us do that. Oh, well, so listen, I'm in the <laughs> lobby. Trust me. Um, so for Arsenal, generally, we will just get like a little bite to eat on the way to the to, to the stadium every now and then. We'll stop in this. Uh, it's a it's a Witherspoons pub, Spoons pub. That's a old converted like theater. And we we'll get a little bite to eat and then we'll head over to the stadium. We like to buy club level tickets at Arsenal because it's kind of like a little bit more of a posture kind of experience. It's uh, uh, whatever. And they've got a. a, a on the club level, they've got this section called the uh, Royal Oak Pub, and so it's pretty, pretty lowbrow for kind of club level, and, you know, the beer's pretty decent. Um, they've actually switched away from Carlsberg and, and uh, gone to uh, a company, Camden Brewing, in London, which actually has kind of some more interesting type beers. Um, and then we'll, we'll stay after the match.
1: Um, that's if, interesting staying after the match. That's nothing I would ever think to do at any sporting event here. I, well, I think, it's I think with American I get sports,
0: you, you know, especially with baseball and football, um, the, the game will start and you don't know when it's going to end. It's probably going to last three, four hours, but with soccer, you know, in two hours, it's going to be over. So you can actually plan your day around it. If the, the matches, you know, early in the evening, you can plan the, reservations at a restaurant. But in our sports, it's like, we're going to go, this is our evening. We're, we're going to the baseball game. Then afterwards, we'll go home because it's going to be late. It's going to be after 11 or, or whatever. So I think with them, it's, it's easier to kind of plan around the timings because how the matches are timed. With Arsenal, I, I you know like the, the Angel neighborhood has a lot of nice stuff. And if I recall correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, um, there's like a strip of bars outside the stadium where, like, you could probably go and just grab a drink. Am I making that up? Uh,
2: it's, it's, yeah, like a walk, like a block or two over. But then, yeah, there's a, there's a strip. Um, and it basically goes, basically almost extends all the way into central London. Uh, just keep walking. And it's.
0: And I, I think one thing to keep in mind, um, you know, if, if you're looking at going to a match and you want to get there early a lot of clubs will not have the same fan experience inside the stadium. You know, it might just be bare bones, like, hey, come and get, like, a, a sandwich and uh, a really generic beer. And, you know, it, it's not some – you know, most – the big stadiums that they're putting in now, um, you know, like Tottenham's just done, they've really focused on the fan experience. Uh, Emirates Stadium has that too. But a lot of the clubs, it's like – it's. There's a small concession. So there's nowhere to hang out. This is not a place for kids. People are going to be smoking inside in a lot of cases. Um, so you do want to go to a place beforehand um, to to drink.
2: Well, and so, you know, on that, I mean, that's that's probably one of the biggest things. Like, If you're planning to do this is research the pub that you're going to, depending on the team you're cheering for. Um, because there will actually be pubs that are designated either for the home team, for the away team, or a neutral pub. So neutral pubs are like the ones, if you kind of didn't know, that would be perfectly safe for your kids. What you wouldn't want to do is be for the home team, go into an away pub with your kid wearing the home team's kit. That would be bad news. In fact, they, they likely would not let you in.
0: Right. They're, um, they're probably bouncers.
1: Yeah. I, I, mean, yeah, I would never think of to even research the bar that I would go to. I would, you know, For me, it'd be like, oh, that place looks cool. Let's go.
0: <laughs> a lot of bars will probably have a blatant sign outside, and maybe the bouncer will tell you, like, supporters only. But you do need to be careful about that. And you know, the times that I've gone into the supporters pubs have been I'm wearing a kit, and I have a ticket to the match, Or I'm wearing something completely generic, like, you know, one time for the Tottenham-Liverpool match, um, I was wearing Atlanta United stuff. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm just American. I'm just here to have fun. I'm meeting my friends who are Tottenham supporters in there. No way am I a Liverpool person. But, you know, they're like, yeah, come on in have have some drinks. And it it was a lot of fun. You know, when I was in San Sebastian, like Real Sociedad and Atletico was in town and there were a few Bars on the corner that has some great, um, like Basque Brewing, fantastic brewery, and they had a few of their beers, and it was it was awesome. But if you're in, say, the UK or in Germany, you're probably going to find more of that drinking pub culture around the stadium. If you're in Italy or uh, Spain, for the most part, you might not. So you know you you do have to. It's not only do your research, but realize that. Where you are might matter if there is going to be a place to drink or not. I can tell you a half a dozen places I've been there were no bars near mm. the stadiums.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, think of like you know Paris, Paris. Uh, there's not there's not a lot of options uh, to drink around the stadiums. I, I didn't there. see
0: anything in Nice. Um, or yeah, Nice or is like Roma. out in the middle of nowhere. I can remember um, drinking
2: like a drinking boxed wine.
0: Barcelona's <laughs> I mean, got a lot of places because Barcelona is so accessible yeah, everywhere yeah, yeah. in the
2: city, but. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, most of the stuff is accessible with just you know a little bit of, of searching on the internet. But you know, there was one, you know, I thought I had it all figured out. Um, you know, I knew where the, I knew where the 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 pub I was supposed to go to pre match. It was a FA Cup uh, semifinal with Arsenal. Uh, so I can't remember they where they're playing, but anyway, so I, I you know I bought club level tickets. I went to the right. You know, pub, away, you know, away pub. And I got my, you know, my Arsenal jersey on. I'm going to club level. And they're like, nobody can wear, even though you're in the Arsenal section of club level, you can't wear. You can't. I don't know if that's still the same thing because it was probably like four or five years ago. Maybe also
0: research what the uh, the
2: opponent's colors are and don't wear those colors. <laughs> yeah, no, know that in advance. That's right. Well, and, you know, there's there's pictures of like these guys who will like do these half and half jerseys. Um, you don't see them very often, but every now and then, one of them. Pops up. Awful. No,
1: never. That's yeah. like, oh, yeah. man, Georgia, half Georgia, half Florida, half Florida or something like that. that. It's just it's like, like, that. It's like, it's like the only like way you can plus. actually pull it off is just like your kid is playing for one team and your husband's coaching the other side or whatever, you can wear one of those. So, otherwise, yeah, it's fly, like, it's, fly, like it's a good way to get yelled at <laughs> yeah. by
2: both sides, to be honest. So pick a side. Both sides are going to like you,
1: both sides are going to hate you. <laughs>
2: Um, and I guess, so I guess we we're talking about the difference. Of so Arsenal is very, you know, they'd say posh and very nice. And so we generally kind of like roll with that. Um, Fulham, it's, it's an old stadium. It's super old. They still have like, I imagine the original like, wood seats on Salt
0: of the Earth fans.
2: Awesome. Uh, no, not no. so much. No, cause it's, it's, uh, no, it's West London. So it's, it's not quite, you know, like the nicest areas of like Chelsea, but it's, it's actually pretty, maybe less, uh flamboyant. I don't know the stadium just really old and they've got this cottage in the corner of the stadium. That's just the most gorgeous thing you ever seen. And that was, I was just at home watching TV here, you know, in Atlanta, the sun was like beaming past this cottage. And I'm like, someday I've got to go there. It just looked unbelievable. It's like literally on the river Thames. Um, and so you hop off the underground, it's like a mile walk from the underground through this, uh, park, which has these green parakeets. Um, so we'll, we'll, hop off the, we'll hop off the underground, we go to the pub, get a little bite to eat, a couple of drinks, and then we'll walk through this park. So it's almost like this kind of like religious experience of walking through this park along the Thames. Um, and then you come up on this old time, old school stadium, very intimate. And, you know, so we, and there's not a lot of frills, but like the food, the food is generally, well, it's kind of hit or miss. They have like the world's worst hot dogs. And so we eat them and call them the world's worst hot dogs, but they have sausage rolls, which are unbelievable. Um... Wife loves these pies that they have there. She's going to start mm-hmm. a, a website called all she, ate all, she ate all the pies. So, com. so
0: tell us about, uh, the, the pies and, and what this blog's going to be. Uh,
2: so she's going, so her, this is, this is a, yeah, one of our various business plans. Uh, she's going to, we are going to travel, um, uh, all across, uh, England. Um, attending all sorts of different football matches she's going to eat the pies and then she's going to rate them and she'll put up on the That's website awesome. so.
1: I, 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 when I was living in New Zealand I had a lot of good pies down there so I guess that that culture came down there in the, the pie stage those
0: are great places for meat pies mm-hmm. if you need them yeah we don't have much I mean, there's a in bakery there 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 there's a the nice.
1: meat pie food truck in there is there yeah oh they need to come to the brewery um, okay they used to go to halfway crooks all the time but I don't know where they're going it's called heaps oh yeah so, they just got free advertising keeps right if there, you're too. listening yeah <laughs> um but no i'm I'm a big fan of the meat pies, we don't we don't have any and like a lot of times I go to like a gas station and get a meat pie It was awesome, totally bad for you, but
2: Oh, it was like the last thing you should have eat. I yeah. had some
0: terrible food at these matches, just but you're like, I'm starving. I have to get where, something. Okay,
2: so... Where, it's like part of it. I yeah. mean, it's totally like part of it. Yeah. It's so like, if you're you know, the Premier League,
1: well, I guess in just England in general is kind of not the best food in general. Except, yeah, yeah I mean, they, they it's no, I would so, have said, yeah. get a lot of good
2: Indian food. I, think, I would right, have said like England, 15 but. to 20 years ago, yeah, your options in London were yeah. not good. Actually, like now, yeah. I mean, the food is really, really...
0: They, they've stepped up their game. I always I always told people that, you know, well, with my experience over there is the way that they do lunch for people that are working is spectacular because it's cheap it's quick it's healthy and you know it's for so many people that are on the go but it's it's delicious as well and i think that the way that they've kind of had that system is really good so you know there's and then they have a lot more nicer restaurants and they've really been innovating uh their food a lot so you know i wouldn't say it's all you know british food but yeah, they do have a lot of really good food. So
1: she she's doing this blog about stadium meat pies. Is that That's, is that, that what is the intent? In? We have okay. not started it yet. Gotcha. So. so what? So obviously we've gone to, to games in all, all over Europe. I mean, is there a stadium or uh, or you know a country at their at their matches where they they actually have really good food inside the stadium? Um. <sighs> Is, I kind of, but, because here, I know. I mean, our stadium's here, and this kind of goes back to. Uh, When I was living in DFW at the Rangers, they really up their food game, and they actually got like a lot of good write-ups about how they're up in the food game inside the stadium. So I don't know if that's happening. This This is part of my point of you know a lot of the stadiums
0: don't really focus on the fan experience to the extent that we do, and so they have just very basic things. And think about like if you're at a soccer match, you're there for a few minutes before the match starts, and then you're going to be at the concessions for that 15 minutes during halftime. Yeah, because it's always going right. it's not
1: like you have timeouts. And, and, exactly. And actually, so, yeah. you know,
0: people aren't leaving their seats in the 45 minutes uh, uh, of each half during playtime.
1: Now, are there people going up and down that, like, do they have the guys with the,
2: with the trays that are going up and down There's the aisles? Well, with they've tra- they tried that in Atlanta, but I don't think they do it anymore. In Atlanta, you mean? Sorry, Atlanta United. I thought they had that. Uh, but around so. Europe, I mean, they are not doing that in Europe where they go I mean, no you know, the other, So another big thing is you... Um, you can have food in the stadium. What you cannot have is you cannot have a beer in your hand in view of the pitch. And, and the reason that is, really? is because they used to have all these problems with people fighting and hooliganism and things like that. Throwing stuff at people. Yeah, for the same
0: reason.
1: So you can't be drinking while you're
2: watching the game? Not while you're watching the game. That's right.
0: Really? And well, during halftime, when people rush down to get their beer and go to the toilet, um, the concessions just have beers already lined up. So no you know just pay you your money, sh- grab it, and go, and people will chug them. Yeah. See,
1: that's something that we need on this podcast, because I had no idea that would even be a thing. I would think I'd be drinking the whole time.
2: Well, so, I mean, that's why you got to go early. You got you to gotta start early. You got to be 45 minutes where you can't drink. Um, huh. And then, you know, you... You could have a drink during halftime, and then...
1: These are the kind of tips that we need here.
2: Because that's very important. Fine factors into the duration of the match day, right? So, uh, yeah, could you go without drinking? Absolutely. Uh, Would I want to? Probably not so much.
0: All right. Well, I think where we are right now, we should probably move on to the next segment, which is our rapid fire questions.
1: This, this, this is uh, this is the Craig section. We still haven't named it. it. Was rapid fire? We're going to name it the Craig section because I'm taking, I'm taking full control cool. of the rapid fire. Do you want to start? No. Is this is this is, this, is this yeah. all at me? Or yes. Is this oh, yeah. all at okay. you? Yeah. I mean, we can we can right comment on. from the peanut gallery, but right. this is all you. This is all so, you. First question, this one actually didn't come for me. It is a Billy question. What should people of the world know about 5G technology? It's on my phone. Well, uh, I know that. So number one, it's a conspiracy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, did you really want to ask? Uh, so this, the short answer is it's if you liked 4G, you'll love 5G. It's, it's a little bit, you know better than, than than 4G, a little bit faster uh, in terms of total speed and how quickly it takes to react things. That's it, Your devices are gonna cost a little more. There's a second version of 5G, which is gonna be able to connect everything in the world. I mean, like the shutters here, I mean, you'll have connected everything. Um, but that's, that's probably a couple of years away before that kind of happens. Um, but, yeah, that's 5G in a nutshell. I think what people are really wanting to know is it's definitely not a conspiracy. Well, I mean, uh, I think Billy the verdicts out on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's not a conspiracy at all. If you believe in science, trust me, it's not a conspiracy. Yeah. If you don't, I don't know if I can help you, but all right.
1: Mm. All right. Question one. Question yeah. two. I don't know if we answered this already or not. Maybe we did, but best atmosphere of any sporting event you've been to.
2: First initial or react, you know, initial reaction would be you just follow them. Just you know the 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 stands the, on the riverside. You go and try have a pint on 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 the river. But as a as a long suffering Arsenal fan, um, just this past January, we. We probably played the best football I've seen us playing probably like I don't know eight years. We beat Manchester United at home. Emirates, uh, where Arsenal plays, it's a it's a modern stadium. It doesn't have like some of that electricity or the sound of kind of like the older mm-hmm. ones. This was like the first time where this stadium just absolutely erupted. I mean, it was unbelievable. Everybody there. Came, I've been to I don't know. 50 60 70 matches there this is like the first time that this thing just absolutely exploded i mean i was even in the club level section where things you know uh, don't get quite as rowdy or or it was it was unbelievable it was just shiver down your spine goosebumps it was it was incredible
0: i i have to say you know the one time i've been to emirates i guess we were sitting 10 rows behind the goal the atmosphere was electric and i don't think that the that watching the matches on TV quite capture the atmosphere of that stadium. It's, it's insane. Well, it's probably most sporting
1: events like that, that it, it stuff goes off. It's like for me in golf and, and the Masters on Sunday. It's like you got to go if you really want to to hear the roars between the trees. Like it's probably that same kind of thing. Um. OK, well, you've been to a lot of places. Surely there's something that's next. And what is it?
2: Oh, what's next? Oh
1: wait, not, Sorry, not next, but what is the what is the thing that you have to go to in life
2: before, before
1: it ends kind of thing?
2: We proceed cautiously, right? We find something we like, and we kind of like do it over and over and over. And then we go find the next thing we like, and then we add that to it, right? And so the 24 Hours of Le Mans, last year we did the 24 Hours of Nürburgring. That was just like this kind of amazing kind of experience as well um so i think we'll probably just you know push into that uh a little bit heavier uh, once we kind of get out of quarantine well i, I guess, I, like guess I, have, I guess i don't have the inspiration for what's well, going to what be about like the, like the a next World big thing would you would you do that in the in the right environment right so next next time it's in cutter okay. yeah um okay. and it's and it's in the winter which is, which is the awesome. first one are, are we boycotting that even for we whatever if we make it no mm-hmm. it's the last bond it's last it's because Russia was Russia was bought and sold through bribes Qatar was bought and sold mm-hmm. through bribes I think the one after that which I can't remember if they selected that yet is the that US list, right? Canada Mexico yeah, it, it might it be yeah yeah Because it Mercedes is yeah is yeah, on yeah, the yeah, short yeah. list so, so that's 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 great um yeah, i definitely do in the, in, the, in the right environment at the right time of year, not in the middle of winter. Um, absolutely. World Cup would be crazy. We've done Euro tournament once, which is kind of uh, it's basically in between the World Cup. So like every two, mm-hmm. every four years, I guess they do
1: it. So we talked a little bit about food selection at the stadiums. What what's the best beer selection at any stadium?
2: So again, you know, you don't you're you're not on the you're not on the bleeding edge of anything. And this and you know, I wrote these I wrote way.
1: these down because I thought you could drink the whole game too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's <Well>, <laughs> I mean, that? Where? I <laughs> to fall for these bits. <laughs> you know, I take that. But,
2: uh, so I wouldn't say it's the best, but it's kind of like the most enjoyable over like a period of time. Is uh, Arsenal has this uh, Camden Hells lager, which I really enjoy. It's it's a, it's a, basically a little bit of a hoppy lager. It's got a, a little bit. Some, it's kind of, it's a little bit cloudy, but um, it just uh, it's pretty good. And then, which I actually thought was really interesting, was uh, Tottenham's new stadium. They actually have a brewery in the stadium. Um, really? I think it's I think it's Pierce, There's a fever town those around here in the yeah. U.S. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty clever. And so yeah, um, they didn't quite have the distribution of the different types right. of beers at the, the obviously yeah, you know, here at the Stadium. We yeah, I think
0: a point, a, you
2: know. Terrapin yeah, does a great job. A,
1: and uh, in Denver, we had uh, Sandlot, which is owned by Coors.
0: Well, and, you know, I mean, it's something more common over here, but I'm wondering if that's, now that uh, Tottenham's done it, White Hart, Uh, if that's going to be something that more stadiums start picking up on as they renovate, putting breweries and making the fan experience.
2: Well, I think that's, so I think putting the actual brewery on premise, I think that's kind of a novel concept idea, but just the fact that they're bringing in, you know, non-traditional beers, right? So again, you know, if you were going to most stadiums, Carlsberg was going to be kind of like the number one beer that they were serving. The fact that you can get something more interesting, um, or have a choice of, you know, more interesting beers. That's mm-hmm. that's an interesting thing. You, you you were never going to get an IPA like five years ago in, in a stadium. Now you can probably get that in like half of them. Hmm. So they're heading in the right direction.
1: Yeah. It's cool to see how, uh, and I've always kind of thought it's cool to see how um, Europe, you know, 20 years ago really influenced how we do beer here and now it's completely going the other direction. How, how's the U.S. now influencing these European beer markets and IPAs and, and cider stadiums? I mean, that's that's pretty interesting to me.
2: Yeah. I mean, without question, I mean, I totally see that it's uh, they're definitely behind us in terms of, you know, uh, emerging, you know, microbrewing and 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 the lot. It's uh, well, it's, it's kind of like ironic to me um, just because I feel like here for so long we had what I'd consider kind of like substandard beer choices Mm -hmm. and it's like it exploded now and now it's almost in some cases overwhelming Mm -hmm. Um, I, I
0: spent 10 years defending American beer because I always claimed that they weren't uh, that, that they said American, a lot of British people said American beer is terrible, and they were right, but they were drinking terrible beer. Right. And then I'm like, well, we actually have this huge craft beer scene that they started discovering a few years ago when like Stone and even Sweetwater Sierra and Nevada. Sierra Nevada yeah. would go over there, and it was really funny because at the same time that they would say American beer is terrible, they turned to the bartender and order several Sierra Nevadas, <laughs> and I'm like, hey. You know, that's American, right? And they're like, oh, it's the best beer here. Yeah.
1: There you well, go. Uh, so, so a big reason why I think we had such the explosion here was because our beer was, we had a lot of bad industrial beer over in England, Germany, wherever. You know, their beer was actually pretty good. So they didn't have to like reinvent the wheel or didn't really see the need to reinvent the wheel like we did. That's... Yeah, and that's uh, you know, that's so they so they're having some breweries emerge, but it's I don't think it's it, it's ever going to get to the point like we got because they had some breweries that while they were really big, they were also turning out some really good traditional beer at the same time, not just trying to see how industrialized they can make it. Yeah. All right, so I got uh, one last question, and then I don't know if there's going to be anything else from Billy, but um, divider in our industry right now. Are you on team seltzer or no seltzer? (laughs)
2: Um, So I would like to think of myself as being quite open minded. However, uh, as it comes to this question, my first thought is no seltzer.
1: (laughs) Um, I just feel like I'll drink beer and if I need water, I'll drink water that doesn't have alcohol in it.
2: You know, listen, I think um, my first reaction to that was... um, Listen, you know, the, the White Claw thing. <laughs> and, then, and what I perceive to be a, uh, a stereotype around people who who drink White Claw. Um, and so... Well, craft beer used to be just people with beards, so we had that, too. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's everybody. So, you know, I mean, listen, of, of, like, the things to, like, focus on, if people want to drink seltzer, I mean, that's fine. Just... Uh, as with most things try not to be obnoxious about it uh, that'd be great so
0: and on that bombshell thank you to michael poffenberger for joining us on this episode beer flight podcast is a production from round trip brewing company voiceover help from chris Mykowski and artwork help from scott miller I don't know if you've seen grocery stores now. They have these directional arrows in their aisles. Why is that?
2: Without being disrespectful, I'll say the first thing you need to know, it's, it's, it's run by the French. Um, and so the rules sometimes are a little bit flexible.
0: We'll see you next time on the Beer Flight Podcast.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for flying with
1: us today. We know you have many options in air travel, and you were
0: probably the cheapest.